Well, hey there, guys. It's another issue, edition, episode, installment of Crusher Talk with yours truly. This is coming to you a day early because tomorrow the Crushers are playing a show in Los Angeles at the fabulous Zebulon in L.A. with Josie Cotton and with the Velvet Starlings. And it's also um, Dr. Kane, a.k.a. Reed Kane, Esquire's uh, and mine, eight-year anniversary. So we're going to be pretty busy with Action Ben driving down in the van, um, you know, traveling a little bit. It doesn't take too long to get down there, but there's always the possibility of traffic and parking and all that stuff. So I um, thought I would just come to you early and check in with you guys this week. Um, I just finished working on a song because the way that it works with Dr. Kane is if there is an eminent project that uh, needs to be finished or done, he starts a new project. And there's always new songs happening all the time. And he's been on me about looking over this um, demo that he created that it's just all instrumental. And he wanted me to maybe think about some vocal melodies. We need a we're, we're at 11 songs for the album and we need like one or two more. So um, I finally sat down today and worked on it and... Sometimes you hear a demo and for me anyways, a certain part jumps out at you and you just know that's that's the cool part that you really want to attack or that's the melody that you really want to focus on. And this instrumental piece that he created had a very short bridge area that was did this one special thing in a very um, specific place once. And this is going to annoy the crap out of him, but I was sitting in there recording just now thinking, this is the chorus. This tiny little snippet is the chorus. So I have been working on this chorus and kind of getting a feel for it and thinking about lyrics, um, which drives me absolutely nuts. Because in my mind, I'm like, well, let's just finish the show in L.A. and like, you know, get all the things together we need to get. And then we'll go back to, you know, writing. But for him, he's with a million projects all the time. So it is fun to pop in and out of those projects. Although I'm like very like want to finish one thing to get to the next thing. Um, he's actually been working extremely hard. I have to give him props. He's been working on getting all the tracks ready for going down to LA for the kitten robot studios recording session that we need to do to, to wrap up some of these songs, the last songs for the album. Um, and he's been doing an incredible job. He's been working. I'll be watching TV or doing something and he'll be in the other room just with the headphones on. And I know he's like making sure that the, the weird layers and tracks and things that we've gotten locally will work for when we bring them at, to LA and do it remotely. Cause as I told you before, um, we started doing our partnership with kitten robot during the pandemic. Therefore it's always been a mix of remote recording and engineering and local recording and engineering. So it's been LA and San Luis Obispo. And we've been going back and forth, recording little things here and there, here that we can, like maybe some guitar or overdubs or drums. Um, we have a great drum recorder, recording dude, engineer um, here, Kip Stork, who does a great job. So we're trying to spend as little time as we can in LA for both cost measures and also because what we are doing is not like a problem. And if it ain't broke, why fix it? So after the pandemic, going into it maybe next year or the year after that, who knows how we'll do it. But right now it's just been this sort of like mix of 
um, a little bit of us backseat producing and creating tracks that will be used once we get them to Paul Rossler at Kitten Robot Studios and he mixes it. He um, works on orchestration. He records my vocal there. He um, helps with some arranging and uh, backing vocals, adding keyboards, uh, all stuff like that. And really important stuff, <laughs> like basically taking our sketch and bringing it into full focus and making it into a painting or something. That's a terrible analogy. Um, but yeah, I've been working on that a little bit today. And I was just thinking about now that we're, we're probably on our fifth show now, fourth or fifth show since the pandemic, this is still our first show in LA since 2019, I want to say. So that's a long time. It's kind of crazy. It's just really amazing um, how long that this pause on live music has been for most bands. But now that we're back in the swing of things, it's funny because the first couple shows we did locally, I was like, I was forgetting so many things that I normally do for shows. Like I wasn't sending the information to the local paper, um, little things like that, or I was forgetting little things. And I think I have my stuff dialed in now. So I will share with you like my top five or 10 or whatever it turns out to be things that I do to prepare for a show. And I'm eating my trail mix, so I apologize if this is a disgusting sound of me chewing. But I'm hungry, and as usual, I'm doing two things at once, so please forgive me. Um, so the first thing that's really crucial is practicing on your own. Because <laughs> practicing as a band is very important, but also practicing on your own really helps in the fact that you know that you're going to come into the show or into the performance and you have the muscle memory there and you're not relying on anyone else to carry you in a way. Um, sometimes I rely too much on the full band practice and then if anything goes wrong, I kind of get bewildered. Um, but if I focus on my own self and the guitar parts my on my own and the singing on my own, uh, it gives me a sense of autonomy and the ability to make it work no matter what happens, if that makes sense. So it's like a mix of the two. But um, I've been practicing a lot more um, every day, I want to say this week, maybe. Um, but I've been practicing a lot more on my own. It's incredibly boring. It is so not fun. It also just doesn't sound as good because you don't have the drums there. You don't have this extra element you know, it's just, it's like not fun, but, um, I found that, you know, hooking up the PA, putting in my little ear pluggy things that I use, um, to make sure I'm not sounding pitchy when I play live, all these things are really important. And I've been taking them a lot more seriously since we've gotten back into shows. I'm like, so appreciative that we can do this. And I'm like, let's do this like a pro. <laughs> so I actually put in my little ear, my little ear plug things. They are amazing. They are these little, um, blue earplugs. I can't remember the name of them. God, they're um, on Amazon. Um, ben Weasel actually recommended these to me um, years ago and said that they were really good for pitchiness and for making sure that on stage you are hearing what you need to hear of your voice, if, if that makes sense. Um, so you're hearing yourself but not hearing yourself super loudly in a way. Um, and it makes you it's weird. For me, it makes me less aware of my own voice, which makes me sound better in the house somehow. Um, I'm sure there's some science behind it, but they are amazing. They're very low cost. They're, I think, 20 bucks, but they're 
in a little little carrying case. This is the second or third pair I've had to buy because I've lost them a couple times. But I've been practicing with those in, which is important. Practicing with the pick that I normally use, which is important, and the pick size, so that I'm not coming into the show and there's scrounging for a pick and being like, oh shit, I'm using this flimsy little one or this base pick that's super thick. It's kind of important to do that, I feel like. Oh, look who's home. I'm recording my crusher talk right now. I'm going over the things that I do to prepare for a show. $20 hat. Wow. Dr. Kane got a new hat. Jeez, you're like on a hat patrol. 20 bucks. It's like $100. Wow. Yeah. It's like a, what would you call this? Is this a fedora? It's a fedorable. Um, where was I? Oh, here's another one that I didn't do for years. And I was just stupid. I don't know why I didn't do this, but my hands are really sweaty. It's just genetic. It sucks. I mean, I'm actually benefiting from this whole COVID thing of nobody shaking hands anymore. Because now I don't have to explain. I'm not nervous about meeting you. <laughs> I just have really clammy, cold hands and they're disgusting. I'm sorry. Now I can just be like, ooh, pop an elbow. I like it. Um, anywho, um, my guitar gets very wet. So wet, in fact, that halfway through the set, the pickups kind of stop working a little bit. <laughs> I notice um, so now I carry, um, you'll notice actually, if you see us play live that, um, I carry a bandana behind, like, um, in my guitar strap, basically between the guitar strap and where it attaches to the bottom of the guitar. I have a little bandana. I just tuck in there and then I try to wipe down the strings, you know, between various, you know, portions of the set, maybe like, you know, halfway in or a quarter of the way in, I'll do a little wipe down. And then another huge thing is when I'm done and I put the guitar down, I do a nice wipe right there because otherwise the strings just get corrode, corroded and, and rusty really quick and they sound terrible. Um, so that's been a big thing too, like preparing that. And, and I sometimes forget to bring a bandana or forget to bring a cloth. And it's just always so annoying. Cause then I have to go, I think one show recently I had to grab a t-shirt from our merch box and like bring a really nice like brand new t-shirt that I should be selling to somebody for $20 and like use it and it's just not good so that's super important to have um for my setup um obviously having some good guitar chords that I know work and we have a new policy where if a guitar chord doesn't really work that often don't just throw it away any sort of electronic thing that doesn't work or you don't know where it belongs just throw it away it's like our new policy we don't need to have a suitcase full of these horrible cords that don't work. Um, same goes for the power um, input for your pedals and stuff. So yeah, my pedals. And then what else have I been um, working on? Well, one thing I started doing years ago was not drinking before I play. And that means, you know, maybe you have a beer with your meal if you're eating, you know, sound checking. And eating like a couple hours early, that's fine. But, um, you know, just if just because you're bored doesn't mean that you should start drinking because it's just the fun is in playing the show. You don't need to add that on. And, and while sometimes it can loosen up the band a bit, it also adds an element of chaos that just doesn't need to be there. So um, that's like kind of an important rule, I guess I would say I have that I just, you know, just try to stay present and try to just rest and like be, you know, conserve the energy for when you're up on stage and, and nothing's going to take away your energy. Like having 
too many beers or a cocktail or even eating too much before, like right before. Like all those things are going to kind of take away from the vitality of your performance. So um, for that reason, I usually have a gigantic jug of water that I'm chugging before the show too. That's important. I always go get a big jug of water and I always bring water on stage. Sometimes people bring beers for me and stuff and, you know, that can be nice, but it's just, I don't know, nothing beats just some old-fashioned H2O. Um, another thing that I've learned that is important that we've incorporated into our live shows is <clears throat> immediately following the performance, I put my guitar down, whereas normally I would start loading things out for the next band and get everything off the stage, which I mean, I was always, I'm always kind of like putting things in the wrong place anyways. So it's not like they lost too much help when I decided, you know what, instead of doing that, I'm going to put my guitar down, wipe it down, wipe the sweat off, and then I'm going to pop off the stage and go to the merch table and actually talk to people and sell things. And that has been a game changer because within the ne- in the first 20, 30 minutes um, after performing, if I'm at the merch table, I'm talking to people, I'm meeting people, I'm, you know, giving, you know, getting people the shirts they need, the sizes they need. And it just feels really nice because I think that's the time when people want to come and talk. And I just think that's good for all bands to do. I mean, I really appreciate it when I see a band and they're available like pretty immediately after to just kind of, you know, um, mingle a little bit, talk to people. Um, I think it's kind of normal to tuck yourself away beforehand, but I think afterwards it's nice to just, you know, even if you look like shit and you're sweaty and whatever, just to, you know, mingle with the people. Um, right before I play, I usually go into the van and I change into my go-go boots and listen to a podcast and I just kind of quietly do that. Um, that was not something I tried to create as a ritual. It just started happening. I think I would say it happened on the first or second Midwest tour we did. And I just noticed myself doing it. And I would go in there and just like maybe eat like a third of whatever food, you know, we had, we had laying around, save the rest for after the show. And then I would just get ready and just be in kind of a quiet space. And I think that's helpful because I mean, not everyone is like this, but I definitely feel a pressure to be like, quote unquote, on or friendly. (laughs) I mean, most people feel this way when you're socializing and you also are grateful and happy that people have come. So you're excited. You want to show that you're grateful and excited to see people and you are, but that can also kind of like ramp you up and almost um, like like make me really unfocused. And it can also make me kind of frazzled and sometimes a little drained, like even just before playing. So I think that's why a lot of performers do kind of hang out in the green room beforehand. I mean that and doing drugs and hanging out with groupies. I don't know. I've never seen a green room. So Um, so yeah, those are like my little tips of things that I try to do, um, for, for all the performances and of course promoting and there's just so much that goes into it that people don't realize if you're not in the music industry or in the DIY art space, you don't realize how much goes into these things. There's a lot. Um, yeah. So I guess next week I will fill you guys in on how the show went. It's a kitten robot showcase. So it's kind of one of those first events for this label and it's always cool to be part of something from the ground up and it's not every day that you can be part of something that is sort of like just beginning, you know, and I think that's a really exciting feeling and anything can happen 
and that's just a great place to be at. And so hopefully that goes really well. And um, yeah, we're going to enjoy our anniversary. We're planning on celebrating it more a couple days after um, because it's going to be a little hectic. But I mean, I can't think of a more fitting way for um, Dr. Kane Esquire and I to celebrate what is eight years of marriage and possibly 10 years of just being together and always playing music together and working towards our dreams together and making art projects. And I'm very grateful that he has always not only pushed me to pursue my dreams, but he's helped me and been very, very supportive. So Reed, are you over there? (laughs) He's listening to me right now. How romantic. Um, Reed, do you want to share anything else about show stuff? So um, he actually was going to do a whole crusher talk about hats and his like recent hat obsession and how to choose a hat and his big old beefs with hats. So that'll maybe be next week if we can get him to do it. He'll do a whole like Dr. Kane hat talk. Um, So yeah, until then, um, it was nice just, uh, I don't know, going over some super mundane crap that who knows, maybe that's interesting to know. Maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's just a little eye-opening to know that even your little itty-bitty, teeny-tiny DIY bands still have a checklist that they have to go through to get from writing the song to getting on the stage. And let's all hope that I don't fall off the stage. That hasn't happened yet, but there's still time. Okay, well, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.